Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening to this podcast. If you're a regular listener or if this is your first time, I can't thank you enough for listening. So while you're here, if you haven't already, if you could do us another favor and leave us a rating or a review that actually helps us a lot in terms of where we're placed on all those platforms. So whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you use, leave us a rating and a review. It'll help us out immensely as will subscribing to the podcast. So if you're listening for the first time, you know, I would suggest listening to more than just these first few seconds. Uh, but if you like us subscribe, and if you're a multiple time listener, but you haven't subscribed yet, please do on your preferred platform. If you have access to multiple podcast platforms, I'm not saying you should go ahead and subscribe to us on all of your platforms that you have access to. But uh, again, the more you subscribe, uh, the better it's going to be for the podcast. So if you have the means, I would uh, I would appreciate if you did that. Also, another way to do, uh, support us is to, is to like and follow us. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at 10K Pitches. That is 10K Pitches. Um, solo show this week. Uh, no guests. I have honestly been not in front of my computer very much aside from my regular nine to five job. So it's been really tough for me to actually get, you know, an interview scheduled and done. I have actually two on the books for next week. So we will have two guests on the show next week to make up for the fact that there's no guests this week, but uh, went up to Duluth with the family a couple weekends ago. We were home for like two days and then we did a long weekend uh, for a wedding down in Missouri, actually, don't worry, we social distanced and did all that stuff. But uh, so so not a lot of time at home. So not a lot of time for me to get a uh, get interviews set up. So uh, solo show this week, but I'm gonna try to make it as interesting as possible and as entertaining as possible. We're going to talk uh, a lot about some of the uh, lower league headlines talking about Duluth FC's and ENPSL season rolling on is kind of their again, their virtual season that they're having. Um, they also sent a memo to their disciples, which is their supporters group, kind of talking about what the 2020 season ticket situation is looking like and how they can kind of roll those into 2021 if they like. Uh, they also made a big announcement regarding playing any on-field matches this summer, too, that I will get to as well. Uh, the UPSL has been acquired by a company called ELP Brands, and that could have some implications for Valora FC and Minneapolis City 2, who play in the lower tiers of the UPSL. So we'll go more in depth to that. Minneapolis City holds yet another successful donation drive at their South Minneapolis team store, and it will be actually their final donation drive there. So no more uh, supply drives at the South Minneapolis team store from Minneapolis City, but there are plenty of other ways you can support. And I will kind of go in depth as to why uh, this last weekend was their, their final weekend doing those uh, donation drives. And then finally, we'll get away from the lower league and start talking some MLS is back. MLS will be back July 8th through August 11th in Orlando for the MLS is back tournaments. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that and kind of Minnesota United's group. Do they get out of group D? Do they advance to the knockout rounds? We will uh, talk about all of that coming up on the show today. And like I said, two guests coming up next week. We're going to talk to Jacob Schneider. Uh, he covers Minnesota United for MLS.com. 
and he also covers them for E Pluribus Lunum on the SB Nation Network as well. So we're going to talk to him about MLS's back, maybe go through some tournament predictions as well. So really excited for that conversation. Then speaking of Duluth FC, we're also going to talk to uh, their GM, Tim Sass, about a lot of things, about what the outlook uh, is like for them, not only this summer, but uh, moving into the fall regarding any possible matches they could play, what the layoff has been like, uh, ENPSL being a part of that, getting involved. So very, very interested in that conversation as well. So like I said, two guests next, next week to make up for the fact that there are zero guests this week. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive into some of these lower league headlines. So like I said, Duluth FC, uh, you know, not competing on the field, obviously, as, uh, as really nobody is except UPSL, which starts today if you're listening on Friday. Uh, but the ENPSL season rolls on, and that is, of course, their virtual version of NPSL. They can't play on the field, so they're playing on FIFA. And it's really cool, actually. They have all the team uniforms and kits there created virtually in the game. And uh, it's, it's you know, as close to the real thing, I guess, as you can get uh, with how realistic FIFA is these days. And Duluth FC doing pretty well for themselves. Currently sit at the top half of the table and as I record right now, they're in a double header with uh, Ozark FC and Muskegon Risers. I don't have the Twitch link in front of me right now uh, to see how they're doing. They haven't updated their Twitter yet, but um, that is happening. And these double header matches actually happen every Tuesday and Thursday. So if you're interested in checking out the ENPSL and Duluth FC competing in the ENPSL, uh, you can watch those matches again every Tuesday and Thursday night, twitch.tv slash Duluth FC Esports. If you want to get all the info, you can actually follow. They have their own esports uh, Twitter account. It's DFC underscore esports on Twitter. Uh, moving away from the virtual soccer and to the real soccer, GM Tim Sass, who will be on the show next week, like I said, uh, he sent a memo to the Disciples, which is their uh, supporters group, their season ticket holders group. And they mentioned that, A, they're officially not competing in any on-field competitions through the end of the summer. So there was kind of up in the air and a lot of teams are kind of waiting and seeing, but Duluth FC has actually come out and said, Nope, we are for sure not competing on the field at all through the end of the summer. Um, so uh, they're because of that, they're saying that the disciples can actually either roll their 2020 season tickets uh, into 2021 or they can actually get a straight refund, which is cool that they're doing that too. So um, if you are a Duluth FC disciple and you haven't checked your email in the last couple of days, uh, you have those options. So I would highly suggest uh, checking that out. Uh, UPSL, which is another lower tier league, uh, contains Vlora FC and Minneapolis City 2 in their lower tiers. They're actually one of the only American soccer leagues to do a promotion and relegation within their tiers. I believe they have three tiers in the UPSL and they actually do a promotion and relegation similar to, uh, you know, European, uh, European football leagues, uh, which is kind of cool to see. Uh, but they announced that they are being acquired by a billion dollar company called ELP Brands. And the press release mentions ELP CEO Graham Walsh's soccer history. He was with Manchester United's Development Academy when he was a teenager. He played for the England U18 squad. So a lot of soccer history with the ownership group of ELP brands. So it makes sense that they would try to you know, acquire uh, a soccer league. Um, I don't see this, though, being some sort of earth-shattering move for the league. I think... It is a play, though, by them to solidify themselves as kind of the, if you want to make a baseball comparison, like the double A 
of the U.S. soccer pyramid. You know, MLS is the majors, USL is AAA. Well, UPSL is trying to be that solid, like AA league, at least in their top tier. Um, as far as the lower tiers go, I- I'm not really sure what effect, if any, this will or could have on Valora or Minneapolis City 2 at the moment. But with this signing just being announced, or excuse me, signing, this uh, acquisition just being announced today, uh, we'll probably get more information on that as, as time goes on. And we'll, of course, keep you updated on that here on the podcast and on the, on the Twitter account is really the best way you can see us retweet some of the stuff happening. And, of course, our Twitter account at 10K Pitches. Uh, Minneapolis City, uh, like I said, they held their final donation drive at their team store in South Minneapolis this weekend. Um, that's because they can no longer hold these events. Uh, they're actually breaking their lease agreement by, by holding these donation drives, which uh, you know I'm sure uh, whoever holds their lease was you know, very understanding at the beginning, but we're, we're three, four weeks in now. And with Minneapolis City SC actually planning to open up their team store next Saturday, the 27th, uh, to actually you can go back in there and shop starting next Saturday. Um, I'm I'm sure that that, that's why this kind of transition is happening. So no more donation drives uh, at the South Minneapolis team store from Minneapolis City. But you can still help by donating to the Simpson Food Pantry, which is all where all of those food and supplies are going to, or at least a lot of them are are going to the Simpson Food Pantry. Uh, That GoFundMe link is actually going to be in the show notes. So if you want to, you know, contribute, um, you can do that by donating to the Simpson Food Pantry. That link will be in the show notes. Uh, so you can check that out even right now while you're listening. Uh, another bit of good bit of good news, like I said, uh, the team store will be reopening uh, Saturday, June 27th. So if you want to go in and shop, you can do that. Address 2818 East 38th Street in Minneapolis. Uh, that is it for the lower league headlines. Um, if you're listening to this and you are part of or a supporter of or um, you know, are just involved with one of the lower league clubs here in Minnesota and you have some news to pass along or, or something that you want to get the word out about that you know, I'm unable to find on Twitter or just in regular press releases, uh, please go ahead and email us at 10kpitches at gmail.com. I want to pass along any and all information you have. So again, if you're involved with uh, whether you're a fan of, uh, you know, a coach of, a front office member of, a player of uh, any of these lower league teams that are, that are here in Minnesota uh, and you have some information to get out, just go ahead and shoot me an email, 10kpitches at gmail.com. Um, moving on, though, to MLS. Um, obviously, MLS is back. Uh, the tournaments, which is, uh, I guess, very literally named. Uh, I don't know why this is the name of the tournament, but this is what we got. Uh, happening July 8th through August 11th down at the Disney Wild World of Sports Complex in Orlando. Minnesota United, uh, as they found out, as we all found out in the very entertaining uh, tournament draw, uh, will be in Group D. So they're going to be with Sporting Kansas City, Real Salt Lake, and Colorado. They were actually one pick away from being placed in Group F. And if they were in Group F, they would be with LAFC, LA Galaxy, and Portland. So they, they dodged a bullet there. I think Group F is, is pretty solidly the group of death, although a couple people on Twitter would, would disagree with me. But uh, they have made actually good arguments that Group D is the group of death. You have, you have three of the teams that are 2-0. and o right now uh, when you're talking about uh, the beginning of the 2020 season and sporting Kansas city is also one of those teams that can really uh, 
that that many expect to bounce back after their pretty dismal season last year. But I think Group F, when you look at LAFC, the the um, you know Supporter Shield winners last year. LA Galaxy always at or near the top of the Western Conference, and then Portland Timbers. I mean, another just team with with almost an unmatched pedigree in MLS. Uh, to have those three teams in one group, that's the group of death far and away. When you're talking to me, um, as far as Minnesota United's group though, Sporting Kansas City, like I said, coming off an extremely down year following eight straight MLS playoff appearances. Um, but they have looked actually really strong in the early part of 2020. Obviously, the pandemic, uh, you know, kind of put a damper on everybody's start to 2020. But uh, we'll see if they can continue that in this group. Colorado actually fired their coach early in 2019 to just completely disaster seasons in 2017 and 2018 for Colorado. And then they start 2019 with an 11-game winless streak. So they fire their coach, they hire Robert Frazier, and they actually finished the season extremely strong last year and are transitioning that success into 2020. They're one of those teams that are 2-0 and uh, to start the year. Um, and they have an advantage. Colorado has an advantage um, over a lot of the other teams in this group. They were the first team to get back to full team training. They and Sporting Kansas City started uh, full-team training on June 10th. Real Salt Lake and Minnesota United didn't start full-team training until this week. Real Salt Lake began on Tuesday. Minnesota United began on Wednesday. That is a full week behind Colorado and SKC. So when you talk about Colorado, a team that is on the up and up, a team that is on the rise, a team that finished the season extremely strong last year and then have have, have started the season strong this year, to have that full week advantage in terms of getting back to full team training before uh, Minnesota and Real Salt Lake, who are their two, you know, um, you know many would agree is the, the two biggest teams that will give them competition in Group D, that is huge. Uh, so that to me, and I'll get to this more in depth in a minute, but I think Colorado wins group D and I think they're a dark horse to win the whole thing, uh, because of what they've shown because of the kind of trend that we're seeing from them, but also the fact that they're one of the first teams in the entire tournament to get back to full team training. I think that is huge as far as getting a leg up on the competition. Real Salt Lake though, is the top seed in this group for a reason. Uh, they had the best record. Uh, in the West, outside of Seattle and LAFC, to earn that top seed in Group D. Um, but again, like like Minnesota, they uh, got to, back to full team training a week later than Kansas City and Colorado did. So we'll see how much of a of an effect that may have when we actually get to the tournament, which is still a long ways away. We're talking three weeks until we get to July eighth. So a lot could happen, obviously, between now and then. Uh, so bad news, obviously, like I said, Minnesota United at a disadvantage being uh, the last team in the group to get to full team training. The good news is, though, the Loons can balance that out with the depth and the flexibility that they have uh, accumulated in this roster. Uh, when I talk about depth, I mean pretty much everywhere on the field, especially up front, though. When you talk about Mason Toy and Aaron Schoenfeld uh, providing that depth for Luis Amarillo. Uh, one of the weaknesses that many people thought Minnesota United had coming into this year, and I guess we don't really have much of a sample size to to prove that theory right or wrong, but they said that there's no real solid attacking threat 
uh, after the departure of Darwin Quintero. Now, Luis Samarilla was obviously brought in to be that guy, and he has shown over the first two games that he could be capable of being that guy. Again, very small sample size. I'm not here going to say he is. You know, he could have ended up with 25 plus goals had the had the season kind of went on as usual. But uh, he had such a solid performance in each of their first two games, um, which led to two, you know, pretty uh, dominant performances. Um, when you talk about the end of the Portland game and then the whole game against San Jose, uh, he was a big part of that. And I think, uh, you know, he could have that ability to be that guy moving forward from Minnesota United, as far as just, you know, being that kind of star, uh, star striker, but he's also got a lot of depth behind him. Like I said, in Mason toy and Aaron Schoenfeld, we haven't even seen much of Mason toy over the first two matches because we haven't had to. So he's, they're solid when it comes to both the, the quality that Amarillo gives them in the starter, but the depth they have with Toy and Schoenfeld uh, behind him. Um, in this condensed tournament type scenario where depth is important and legs are important, I wouldn't expect to see, unless they were down late in a match, I would not expect to see some two-striker formation where you're going to see Amarillo and Toy or Amarillo and Schoenfeld or Toy and Schoenfeld on the field at the same time uh, because you need to keep keep fresh legs and you need to uh, kind of spread out um, where you're going to bring guys on, where you're going to plug and play them. So, you know, and again, unless they're down late in a match, which they could be, um, you know, that would be the time, I guess, to bring in, uh, bring in a, a kind of two striker formation if you wanted to maybe switch from a four, uh, from a four, two, three, one to a, you know, a four, four, two or something like that, just to try to, uh, you know, obviously turn the pressure up. But uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, the depth up front is, is, is solid for Minnesota United. Um, Thomas Chacon, we haven't even seen him yet in the first two matches. Uh, but he, what he could provide in the attacking midfield could be very, very important for the squad. Hassani Dotson in defensive midfield. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, a front runner for rookie of the year last year. Um, and he's not in the starting 11. He is coming off the bench and he is such a solid player, not only in defensive midfield, but he can play in uh, on the back line, but he can also, as we saw, he scored the clinching goal that uh, sent Minnesota United to their first ever MLS playoff uh, or that clinched Minnesota United, their first ever MLS playoff appearance. Uh, he can play in the attacking third as well. So not only is he a defensive minded midfielder and has the ability to play on that back line, but he can, you know, in a counter attacking situation or just in a situation where he finds himself up near the front of the field, he can make things happen in the attacking third. He has a rocket of a right boot. So, uh, you know, his, his ability to come in and do all those things really makes him a, a solid piece off the bench. Someone I would expect to see a lot of in this tournament. Um, and we haven't even talked about guys like Raheem Edwards and James Musa. Uh, they provide a ton of depth in the back. And we can even see some of the rookie uh, Noah Billingsley as well. We are talking about five subs instead of three in this tournament you have the uh, potential to see a lot of these guys and we're going to see 
what the depth of the squad is really made of. I believe that it's it's a huge strength of this club, but that is going to be put to the test, obviously, when we get to July 8th, or I guess July 11th is when Minnesota United's first game is going to be. But when we get there and when we actually get to competition on the field, that's obviously when we'll see uh, if, if the depth is is really there for the Loons. Um, if Minnesota can make it out of the group, all indications from what I've seen are that Brent Coleman could return from suspension in the knockout rounds. He has served uh, eight game, or excuse me, seven games of his 10-game suspension, five last year, first two this year. So he has three more. Three group stage matches means that uh, if they do make it out of Group D, um, I haven't seen anything that would say Brent Coleman wouldn't come back for the knockout rounds and he wouldn't be available. Um, I haven't seen anything that would confirm that, though, either. So I guess that part of it is kind of up in the air, whether this actually counts towards Brent Coleman's suspension. I would think that it would. Uh, but again, haven't had any confirmation on that either way. Uh, we're talking about depth. You know, depth is only one portion of why I think Minnesota United's roster is made for a situation like this, a condensed type scenario. The other one is their flexibility. We've talked a little bit about this with guys like uh, Hassani Dotson and guys like Thomas Chacon. Uh, but when you look at who they have in the back, Raheem Edwards can play the entire left side of the field. So when you talk about a guy late in the game coming off the bench with fresh legs, if you can counterattack a team late in the game, especially in games that are going to be as sloppy as these early games are, oh, it's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to be quality football in the beginning, guys. It is just not. These group stage matches, these early group stage matches are going to be pretty brutal. But when you can muddy up the game and ugly up the game a little bit, if you can just get guys with fresh legs and with wind at, you know, who can bring a ball up from the back and counterattack efficiently, you can catch a team sleeping. You can either catch uh, a, a starter tired or you can catch a a maybe an opposing team's bench player who just came on the field you can catch him sleeping too so guys like edwards guys like hassani dotson like we said he can he can play in the counter attack as well maybe get both those guys on the field at once and kind of the the defensive third and all of a sudden you have both of them streaking up the field and you can catch a team sleeping and get a quick goal you know, that is something that Minnesota United, I would expect them to look to do late in games, utilizing that depth and that roster flexibility of these guys who play in the defensive third, but have the capability to perform in the attacking third. Um, you know, using the counterattack, I think, is something Minnesota United will will try to do, especially late in games in this tournament. Um, starter Robin Lode, he can play anywhere up front, left, center, right. And then uh, James Musa, uh, we already talked about him being a, a good depth piece in the back, but he is more of a defensive midfield hybrid, so he can really play a lot of different spots as well. So it gives Adrian Heath options in terms of not only who he's going to bring on, but where he's going to plug them in, where that need is. You know, do they, in, do they need to plug in another midfielder? Do they need to plug in an extra defender? Do they need to maybe take a guy like Edwards or Dotson and put him more up front? You know, that is something that these, this roster uh, gives Heath the ability to do. 
And I think that is uh, something that he can really use to his advantage when he's uh, bringing on subs. We have five subs to use. Um, it's something he can really use to his advantage, especially late in games. So saying all of that, you know, where does Minnesota end up when the group play is all said and done? Uh, the way things stand, I think, like I said, I think Colorado wins the group. I think they're a dark horse to win this whole thing. I'm picking Real Salt Lake to get that second spot because they're, they're just really good. <laughs> I mean, Real Salt Lake is just a really good squad. So um, I think they get that second spot. But I think Minnesota United finishes third, and I think they claim one of those wild card positions and advance to the knockout rounds that way. Remember, you don't necessarily have to finish in the top two to advance to the knockout rounds. The, the two best third-place teams in each uh, conference will uh, get a, a quote-unquote wild card spot and advance to the knockout rounds that way. So um, I think Minnesota United probably does enough uh, to do that. I think they will, will draw. Let's If we're looking at the three matches, um, just quickly looking at them, I'm picking draw against Colorado, lose to Real Salt Lake, and beat Sporting Kansas City. That's four points. I think four points gets you out of the group uh, via the wild card spot and into the knockout rounds. Goalkeeper Tyler Miller did reveal yesterday, as I've kind of alluded to, Minnesota's first match will be Saturday, July 11th. So no word yet on an actual schedule, you know, who Minnesota is going to be playing in that first match when their subsequent matches are going to be, you know, what the order of matches is going to be. But uh, we did get word from Miller in training yesterday that their first match will be Saturday, July 11th. So a Saturday start. For, um, uh, for Minnesota United. That will be a lot of fun. A lot of eyes obviously going to be on the loons with that being a weekend too. Um, still a long way though from the beginning of this tournament. So much could happen and a lot could happen in a negative sense too with, with the status of the tournament. Um, uh, something came out I saw on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, quite a few COVID-19 cases from Orlando Airport employees is not encouraging but even less encouraging one player each from atlanta united and inter miami have tested positive for COVID 19 now now you may be thinking okay you know one player each two players in the entire league not a big deal but think of this both of these positive tests have occurred after full team full team training had already commenced so we're not talking about positive tests and during social distancing and during isolated workouts or even during small group workouts. We're talking about positive tests during a time where these teams are training back to training regular, back to training together in close proximity. So, you know, one test, positive test could turn into five pretty easily. And by the way, you know, how quickly this, this, this disease can spread. So when we're looking at it that way, if you get now, you know, Atlanta and inner Miami with a handful of positive COVID-19 tests, and this starts becoming a regular thing across the league, who knows what can happen? Like I said, a lot of time between now and July 8th, three weeks, so much could happen in three weeks. I will remain optimistic, cautiously optimistic. 
Um, and hopefully that these t positive tests from Atlanta and inner Miami are just one-off situations, you know, self-isolation and, and we're good to go you know, fingers crossed, because I want this tournament to happen. I want it to go off without a hitch. I want to see some American soccer as much as I love the Premier League, as much as I love Bundesliga, as much as I love Syria and La Liga. I want to see MLS soccer. I do. It's, it's our league. You know, it's America's soccer league. We can say, hey, our league is back. And I want it to happen. And so hopefully it does. Like I said, cautiously optimistic at this point. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show again this week. I hope the solo show is not too boring for you. Uh, like I said, it's not will, will not be a regular thing. I pride myself in having guests and having people to talk to, bounce ideas off of, ask questions for you to learn more about them. But it just with the out of townness and not being and, and working, you know, a regular job on top of this and all of that stuff, it just didn't happen this week so but i hope the solo show did enough to to get you through thank you so much for listening to the show i appreciate it rate review subscribe follow us at 10k pitches on facebook twitter and instagram and we will catch you next week thank you so much bye, -bye.